Thank you for our worship team leading us uh, in singing to our Lord. As we continue our sermon series, uh, Abide in Christ, Bear Much Fruit. This is our theme for this year for our church. We'll be ending this mini-series today. But before we go into hearing the sermon, I was reminded just the power of God's word in and of itself. That God can speak to us even without someone like me. That the Spirit of God can illuminate our hearts and our minds as we hear the Word of God. So I want to encourage you today um, to just hear God's Word. Listen with your hearts, listen with your ears, and respond to God as you read the Word of God. So what I would like to do is I'm going to read the passage for us today from John chapter 15, verse 1 to 17. Uh, You can follow along on the screen or on your Bible. And then after that, I'm going to read it one more time. And as I read it one more time, I want you to, kind of like the song that we just in casting our mind on the truth of God. And be open to what the Spirit of God may be putting on your heart. Maybe there's a phrase, maybe there's a word, maybe there's something that so far for the last two weeks, God's kind of keep reminding you about these things in your life, these words in your life. And so be open to what God is speaking to you. Okay, let's read together first. uh, John chapter 15, verse 1 to 17. Here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given, it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments and you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide." so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. I would like to encourage you to close your eyes. I'm going to read that one more time. And prepare space in your, in your heart for God to speak to you. And pay attention to the things that may be brought to your attention as God's work dwells in your heart. John chapter 15 I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, 
that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me and he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. Spoken by Jesus, recorded by the Apostle John. Lord, we know that your word is truth. For every phrase, every word that was hidden in our hearts just now as we listen to your word, God, we pray that you bring forth fruit out of those words. There's a reason why we responded to that. We responded to your truth. So God, I pray that all of us will hear from you what you want us to hear. But not only do we want to hear from you, God, we want to live according to your truth. Lord, if there's any lie in our lives that keep us from hearing your truth, believing your truth, God, would you cast those away? If there's any unbelief in us, would you help us to have faith to believe in you? If there are any disobedience in our lives, God, I pray that you give us the spirit of power and discipline to obey you out of faith. God, be with us as we open your word. Lord, I have nothing good to say in and of myself. But would you use me as your mouthpiece to bring forth the tr truth that you want us as your church to listen and to live according to. So God, get glory among us. Speak, O oh Lord, we're listening. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, before we were married, um, I was living as uh, a bachelor on my own. We were dating at a time, so we're dating pretty, pretty consistently. So I know, we're, you know, uh, we're okay. I'm not going to lose a girlfriend over this. But what I did was, as a bachelor, I didn't really take good care of myself or of my apartment. 
Uh, one of the things I just went cheap on a lot of furniture, a lot of things, either hand-me-down. Uh, one of the things I used a lot is my computer back then. Uh, and so, but it was not high enough as a laptop on my desk. So my desk was a little low. So instead of buying one of those things that can prop up your computer or even buying a monitor to look better, what I ended up doing was this. I just I took two of the thickest books that I used in seminary. I was going through seminary at a time. Two of the thickest theology books I can find. And what I do is I just put it on my desk. And instantly, being a good Chinese, I have a, I have a riser that, that level up my laptop so that I don't want to crouch over and hurt my back. And, and when, when I use it, it, it served a purpose perfectly. The laptop is being raised. The books is used as a stand. But I can't help but to wonder for the authors who wrote those books. Probably they have spent a whole life learning, studying scripture, and just wrestling with the truth of God. Their dream is to write a book that will help illuminate the truth about God. That they can help people to get to know God better. That hopefully this book will become a, a blessing but what if, uh, I wonder what, if, what would it happen if he shows up in my apartment and saw those books being used as a riser, as a stand for my laptop. Does this serve a purpose? Yes, it does. But I can't imagine for those authors, those writers who wrote that book, as they look at that picture, how disappointed it would have been, how discouraging it must have been for them to see their life work was being boiled down to just use as a stand for a laptop. I wonder for many of us, do we make the same mistakes in our lives? See, God had prepared us, had molded us, created us, and saved us for a good purpose. In fact, the scripture tells us it is for His purpose. But unfortunately for many of us, we use our lives kind of like what I've used the, those theology books as just a stand. Does it serve a purpose? Yes, it does. It was convenient. It was easy. It kind of does the trick. My laptop got propped up. But there's so much more those books are meant to be used for than just sitting there day after day to be a stand on my laptop. The same thing is true about our lives. See, many of us wrestle feeling ang angst and anger, sometimes frustration in our lives, but also often it's because we are using our lives for a purpose, but not for the purpose. Our lives is functioning, is doing something, but it is not doing the thing that God has intended to do. This is why this passage is so important for us. Because John chapter 15 tells us that there is a purpose to our lives. It sounds a little bit differently from maybe Matthew 28, maybe in the end of Luke, maybe the end of Mark, where, where God, through Jesus, can give us these commission, these commands for us to live by, these purpose of our lives. This is another angle of looking at it. In John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said this to us. He said this, our job and our life, our life mission is to bear fruit. Look at what, uh, what verse 16 says. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. 
Look at those stories. He chose you. He appointed you. He called you. He saved you. And this is not just for the disciples. He said it's for every other person who are follower of mine. What did he choose us to do? He appointed us to do. He chose us to one, go, and two, to bear fruit. Bearing fruit is the purpose of your life. See, Jesus did not save us. He did not create us. He did not reconcile with us, uh, reconcile us to the Father for the sake of just giving us a ticket to heaven. God has so much more for us. While we're still on earth, God has a mission for us is to bear fruit, is to be fruitful and productive for the kingdom of God. See, so often we forget that. And so what happened is we're using our lives just like those two books that I use as a stand. It works for a while. It serves a function. But what happened is over a period of time, we realize that that is not what our lives are made for. And Jesus reminded his disciples before he leaves, before he left the earth, before he was crucified, there is a purpose and a mission for them. And that mission entails us bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. So they will only be wise of us to consider the question, what kind of fruit did Jesus have in mind? What kind of fruit did Jesus expect us, call us, saves us to, go, to bear for his name's sake? But not only what kind of fruit, we also explore the question, how do we bear fruit? If that is the purpose of our lives, how can we get out of being just a book as a stand on a laptop? How can we actually use it to bear fruit? See, that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus gave us, trying to help us to answer these two questions. What kind of fruit is he looking at, expecting us to bear? And then the second question is, how do we bear that fruit? Here's the first question. What kind of fruit is Jesus referring to? This is where John 15 gets really, really hard for us. Because I guarantee you, you talk to many people who have read this passage, it's a well-known passage. If you ask them the question, what kind of fruit is Jesus referring to? You ask 10 people, 10 people will probably give you 10 different answers. Because the text doesn't tell us specifically what is the fruit. Jesus talked a lot about fruit. There's nine, eight times here in this passage, only in these 17 verses, eight times he used the word fruit, but he never mentioned exactly what that fruit is. And I believe it is intentional. I think one reason he didn't bring it up is because this is not an isolated uh, teaching. Remember we said that John 15 is, a, is, a, is part of a t whole teaching from John chapter 13 to chapter 17 where Jesus prayed over his disciples. So in order to understand fruit, we almost have to read the entire farewell discourse by Jesus to get a sense of what that fruit is. But beyond that, I think there's one reason why Jesus did not answer specifically and said, this is the fruit I want you to bear. The reason why I believe he did not tell us why, uh, what, the fruit we, what, what kind of fruit we're supposed to bear is, is specifically is because he cares not so much about what the fruit may be. He cares about what the fruit may be. He doesn't care so much that we focus on the fruit, but more focus on how to bear the fruit, which we'll talk about second part of the sermon, the first part. But I think it's important, though, for us to learn what the fruit is. And I'm going to do my best to help us to clue into why, what Jesus is talking about as he talked about fruit. Because I believe Jesus gave us a few clues about that while he does not specifically tell us. What kind of fruit is Jesus referring to here? I think, I believe the fruit that Jesus is referring to here is the fruit of love. The fruit of loving others, 
the fruit of serving others, the fruit of, of laying down your life to one another. How do, I, how do I find that? You may be wondering. Well, John chapter 15, verse 8, Jesus gave us a clue there. He says this, that you bear much fruit. Why do we bear just so? To prove to be my disciples. Part of the fruit, that the reason why we bear fruit is to show others that we are Christ's disciples. And when you look at the life of Jesus, what is the number one quality and character of Christ that rises above everybody else? Every other character there is and every other so-called God there is. It's the love of Christ. The love of Christ distinguished Jesus from every other quality that people see as good. Jesus loved the prostitute. Jesus loved the lepers, uh, people who have leprosy. People who love uh, God. Uh, Jesus loved the sinners. Jesus hung out with the tax collector. Jesus' love was way beyond the capacity of love that this world are willing to offer. So one distinguished quality about Jesus is his love. Then as disciples, we ought to bear the same type of love to bear that type of fruit. And remember in John chapter 15, in the beginning of this passage, it tells us that we are the branches. John chapter 15, verse 5, that we are the branches. Whoever abides in me, Jesus, I in him, he it is that bear much fruit. When you think about the fruit and the branch and the vine, the relationship is this. The branch doesn't choose what kind of fruit it bears. Because whatever the vine gives through the branch, it bears that type of fruit. If you happen to be a branch on an apple tree, you bear apple fruit. If you happen to be an orange tree, you have orange branch, whatever the vine sent out through the branch, that's the fruit you are bearing. And so what is the thing that is in the vine, in the Jesus, in our Lord Jesus? What, what kind of things is, is, is he sending through the branch and giving to the branch? Verse 9 and 10 tells us this. It is his love. Look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus tells us, he is giving us his love. The same love that the Father has given to him, has shown to him. Now he is giving it to us and he's calling us to abide in his love. And divine experience the love from the Father and now divine send love through the branches. And so therefore the fruit that we must bear, can, uh, can, there's no choice but to be the fruit of love. And he went on in verse 10, he says this, that you need to abide in my love. And then he used this phrase, if you keep my commandments, how do we abide in his love? By keeping his commandments. And what is the commandment? He says this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandment, abide in his love. What is the commandments that he was referring to? We all know the greatest commandment that Jesus said is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And the disciples somehow forgotten about that. Jesus make reference to that. And in verse, verse 12, he went on and says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said, I have given you my love. And now if you want to, uh, want to abide and remain and get my love, then you need to keep my commandments. And when you keep my commandments, the fruit that you will bear is what? Is to love one another. 
That is the fruit that Jesus is getting at, that the fruit of love in our lives to one another. This is con- entirely consistent with all of Scripture. I already mentioned it earlier, Jesus himself, when asked what is the greatest commandment, he said what? Love God and love others. Love is the center of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Loving one another. That is above even faith and hope. The greatest of them all, love. It's no surprise when you go to Galatians, where we read fruit of spirit, when you look through every part of that fruit of spirit, it is all external about loving others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. You flip through the Bible in the New Testament, 59 times one another was used. At least 10 times out of those 59 was love one another. And the other 49, I believe they are a description of how we can love one another. The Bible is flooded with the command to love one another. And I believe that is the fruit that Jesus is calling us to bear, calling his disciples to bear, to love one another. John himself, the apostle John himself, not only recorded in John, but also in his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, quoted, the, uh, really drilled down his theme of loving others. 1st John 3, 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Guess where he got it from? Probably from John 15, as he was listening to God, and through uh, listening to Jesus teaching him the importance of loving, bearing the fruit of love to one another. Jesus himself demonstrated for us. The vine dress of God the Father demonstrated for us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What kind of fruit is Jesus getting at? I believe Jesus is calling us to bear the fruit of love. But not the type of love that is distinct, uh, characterized by the world but a love that he has shown you and I. He said that his love, the greater love is no one in this than lay down their life. The love, of, the fruit of love that Jesus is getting at is a one that's of sacrifice, one of service, one that is not particular whether I like that person or not. Even for the enemies, when you and I were once enemies of God, that type of love was poured into your life when Jesus was hung on the cross. And Jesus said, you, I want you, I'm calling you. If you want significance in your life, if you want purpose in your life, if you want mission in your life, bear that fruit of love, bear that fruit of sacrificial love. Love others, serve others the way that I have served you. You see, the question that we ought to ask ourselves when we think of love is this, how can I best serve this person in front of me? How can I best serve this person I'm living with? How can I best serve this person that I'm against, that I'm arguing with? You see, when we lead our lives with that question, how can I serve so-and-so? It will lead us to bear the fruit of love. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many and included your name and my name. See, that's the type of love that Jesus is calling us to bear, the fruit that is calling us to bear. So in order for us to find life, Jesus said, give away your life. 
If you want significance, be insignificant. If you want to bear fruit, give away your life. That's the type of fruit that Jesus is getting at. But here, here's the challenge for us, a particular in COVID season. When things are not going on, our natural desire is to clamp down and hold on to the things that we have. We've all lost things in this COVID season. Some may be tangible, physical, some may be emotional things. Some may be preferences, desires that we have, and we've lost these things. And the most natural thing for us to do is to ask how others can serve us. Instead of flipping that and ask a question, how can I serve other people? So we can bear fruit of love that Jesus is calling us to do. The very purpose of our lives. When we stop looking at what other people can do for me, rather what I can do for other people. That's why Jesus said it is better to, to give than to receive. You see, loving others transcends circumstances. In fact, I would argue that the, the tougher the circumstances, the better the canvas it is for us to paint a picture of love for others. So the question for us is this, are we going to bear fruit? Are we going to waste this season of COVID just worrying about what I did not get or what, how people are not serving me? Or can we use this? Or I believe God is calling us to use this to serve others even better, to love others even deeper, particularly those whom we've seen and live with all the time. So that's one aspect of the fruit that CG is referring to is the fruit of love. But the second aspect of the fruit is not contradicting the fruit of love, but it is in complement to the fruit of love. It is the fruit of the gospel. In the fruit of the gospel, Jesus is not just saying, love one another, get together, sing kumbaya, and then we'll be good. You are bearing fruit. No, he said beyond that, there's another aspect, maybe not a different fruit, but a different perspective of that fruit is, not only are you to love one another, in your loving one another, love others who are lost in this world. Bear the gospel fruit in this world. Look at John 15, verse 16. He gives us a little clue there. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit. What kind of fruit? That your fruit should abide. I love the NIV version translation of that. Give us a different aspect of the word abide. It's last. I think CSB has it as remain. There's a temporal aspect of that. We're not just, we're staying together constantly, but it is something that is eternal. And there are only a few things that are eternal in this world. God, his word, and souls of people. The first two, I'm pretty sure that are in the right place and under good hands. But it's the last one that God is calling us to bear fruit with. That the souls of people that will give their lives to Jesus and surrender in exchange for eternal life. This is why John chapter 13, in the earlier part of this teaching, Jesus commanded the disciples to love one another, but there's a reason for loving one another beyond just their own comfort and security. Here's what it says in verse thir uh, chapter 13, verse 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you, so you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, loving one another is more than just a horizontal thing. It is meant to be an external thing. 
we are called not just to bear the fruit of love for one another, but also the other aspect of loving others enough that those who are lost will find Jesus. And we bring, bear the fruit of the gospel in these people's lives. I won't spend time on this uh, uh, a lot because for the next four weeks, we have an opportunity to hear from various speakers talking about bearing the gospel fruit. As you know, we're next four weeks or our missions month, we'll be uh, drilling down and looking the word of God and hearing stories of how the fruit of the gospel is being born all over the place in the world. God's heart for the lost in, in, in a global world. So I encourage you to participate in that. Just a little plug for you. For the next four weeks, join us as we learn about what does it mean for us to bear the fruit of the gospel in this world. So the fruit that Jesus is getting at here, while is is not specific, but he does give us two aspects of it. One is love one another, but the other one is also to bear fruit of the gospel. But here's the good news and the bad news to this fruit. The bad news is we can't do it on our own. Even if you want to do it, you can't do it on your own. You can never bear fruit of love on your own. You might love the person some, and there will be moments that you, yeah, as much as you love that person, you still have anger against that person. Fruit of love and fruit of the gospel. You, you cannot convince someone, twist their arms so that they will believe in Jesus. You don't have the capacity and the power to do that. So on one hand, there's the bad news of the fruit is that we can't bear the fruit on our own. But the good news is where Jesus is really emphasizing in this passage. That is not so much about focusing on the fruit, but really focusing on how to bear that fruit through Jesus. So how can we bear the fruit that we cannot bear on our own? How can we produce accomplished fruit that we just said we cannot do on our own? I want to share a little illustration with us. Um, This is a real branch that I cut out from our orange tree. You probably see it on the screen right now that there's a, a very, very fruitful uh, orange tree in our backyard. I snip and just cut this branch out uh, just to practice what we're learning. It's not bearing fruit, just cut it. And so, uh, but, but, but seriously, I just brought it up to show, to show us something here. As you look at my tree in the backyard, it is an extremely fruitful tree. It's so fruitful that sometimes we don't, a lot of times we don't collect them. And so we just keep, the fruit just keep falling on the ground. Our kids go in the backyard and start chucking fruit at one another to play. So I can tell you, I can testify to you, it, was, it is a very fruitful tree. And this branch was cut out of a very fruitful tree. But here's the problem. I want to ask you, how can I make this branch fruitful again? What can we do right now? to this branch that will make it fruitful? The answer is obvious. Nothing. You can spray all the water you want. You can spray the water and leave it out in the yard and let the sun hit it. You can, you can cover this thing with fertilizer, front to end, back to uh, uh, top to bottom. Nothing will make this branch bear fruit again. Why? Because it is not connected to the vine. The moment I cut this branch off, nothing, no nutrients, no nourishment, nothing is going into this branch. The possibility of bearing fruit is, is terminated. But on the flip side, have I just kept that connected to the vine? 
something miraculous happen. Almost something that the branch cannot control whether it happens or not. It just happens. When it's connected to the vine, over a period of time, it starts bearing fruit. There's no moment of this branch that says, I want to bear fruit now. Or I want to choose this type of fruit. No, it doesn't matter. If it's connected, it will automatically bear fruit. And here's what Jesus said for us in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 4. He says this, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it binds in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is so, so important for our Christian life. Jesus is saying there's absolutely no chance for you to abide in me, uh, to bear fruit in me without abiding in me. I think here's the problem for me and first for you. A lot of times we're not convinced of that. I think we think that we can muster up enough to just get fruit onto this branch. When I hung it, hang it there, when I tape it there, and on the outside, looks like, oh, look at all the fruit I have. But Jesus tells us, and in reality, when you are not connected to the vine, no, those are not your fruit. Those fruit are not real. And I believe one of the dangers for us as Christians a lot of times is that when we hear the word fruit, when we're at a church long enough with all oh, love, oh, share the gospel. And so we start to start manufacturing these fruit without first connecting and being connected, staying connected to the vine. You see, a branch never think about bearing fruit on itself. All the branch needs to do is just stay connected. In the same way for us as Christians, we need to stop thinking about bearing fruit, but focus more on abiding in Jesus. See, when you focus on abiding in Jesus, you will bear fruit. But if you don't focus on abiding, if you're disconnected with Jesus, no amount of quote-unquote fruit that you bear is real. They are not going to last. They're not going to abide. They're not going to be the fruit that Jesus called you to, to abide. So here's the, here's the question we must ask and wrestle with this. What does it mean for us to abide and stay connected with the vine then? See, two weeks ago, I gave us a phrase, choosing Jesus. Choosing Jesus all day, every day. And I know that seemed very vague for us sometimes. One of the reasons why I didn't go in detail is because I want to wait till this message because Jesus actually continued to give us something practical. Practical for us to abide in him. Here's what he says in John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be get done for you. There are two practical things that Jesus said that will help us to abide in him. The first one is, is that we need to be engaged in the word of God and prayer. We need the word of God. We need, to, we need to engage and focus and spend time in the word of God and in prayer. He said, if you want to abide, I'm in you, but the way for you to be in me is to be in the word. And when you are in the word, you can start praying in such a way that is in me, that display that connectiveness that you're with me. 
Now, I know what you're thinking right now because you're thinking, well, Ben, this is what you say all the time. We here at church talk about being in a word, being in prayer all the time. But I think what we miss is this, that we think getting in the word of God and prayer is the fruit. You see the difference? The, the difference is not just getting in the word and prayer. That is not the fruit that Jesus wants to produce. That is the means to the fruit that he wants to produce. See, in order for us to bear the fruit of love to, to those around us, to bear the fruit of the gospel, what we need to do, the means to get to that fruit, to stay connected with Jesus, is to be in the word of God and to pray. We're not just getting into the word and praying for this praying and reading the word's sake. See, that's what we think of when we think of reading a word and prayer. We think discipline. We think checklists. He said, what Jesus is getting at is, is this. These are means for you to get into the presence of God. Read the word of God in order that the word of God can, can read your life. Get into the word of God so much that the word of God will start seeping through. You're, you're emerged into the word of God. Emerge into the truth of God. It will start shaping the way you think. Start shaping the way you see life. That's why we get in the word of God. That's how you abide. You are so connected with this truth so that when you are praying, you're not thinking about yourselves. You're humbly submitting to the kingdom of God, to the purpose of God in your life. And you start asking things that you will never ask on your own. That's what it means for us to abide, to spend time in the word of God, to pray. That in itself is not just the fruit. That is itself is to help us to bear the fruit, to help us connect it to the fruit. But I think perhaps this is where the rubber meets the road. Because when we look at verse seven, uh, verse 7 again, the word abide seldom describes the way we interact with the word of God and in prayer. Earlier we saw the word abide has this temporal sense. It's a consistent sense, a constant. There's a time, there's a depth of time. It's time to dwell in it. One of the problems I think we have oftentimes when we come to the word of God and prayer of God, we're dabbling in the word of God. We're not remaining. We're not staying. We're not spending enough time in there. So in our mind, we think that somehow if I'm a branch, I can just dab, dab with the vine once in a while. I just make contact once in a while, maybe hour 15 on Sunday, maybe five minutes before I go to work, five minutes before I go to bed. If I can just dab a few times. Almost like Apple Pay, boop, and they can transfer it. I can bear the fruit, these fruit that, that we cannot bear on our own. See, there's no microwaving spiritual fruit. As your pastor, I say this in a loving way. We simply don't spend enough time with the Word, we don't spend enough time in prayer before God. I mean, just to be practical, let's, let's, let's really calculate the amount of time that we're exposed to the truth about the, uh, the things about the world. Just one swipe of your screen time on your, on your phone or your iPad, on your tw a Twitter feed, Instagram feed, Facebook feed, whatever TikTok video time you watch. See, we're not spending enough time so that the word of God get a hold of us, so that God have a hold of us, so the presence of God is soaking our soul. It's surprising to me. In Exodus chapter 33, 
Moses was on the way to the promised land. God said, let's go. And in there, Moses prayed to God and said, I'm not going to go if your presence is not with us. I mean, this is the dream that they've, they've worked for so long to get in the promised land. And when, it's like God, when God said, let's go, Moses is not excited about going, but he's concerned what a God is going to be with them. Like he's not going to go to the promised land if God's not going to be with them. The presence of God was so important to Moses. David, Psalm chapter 27, he said, one thing I ask of the Lord one thing, what is that one thing to dwell, to be with, to abide with, with God? The famous story of Mary and Martha. One cooking, getting ready for Jesus, the other being at the feet of Jesus. So brothers and sisters and friends, I want to ask you, are you spending enough time with God? Are you just dabbling? Are you just hoping that there's a microwave that you can just get enough Jesus to function? So what happens is when we get in the word of God, when we pray, it changes our whole mindset, changes our whole worldview. It changes the way we think, we talk. And then when, we, when, when God's presence is so into us, we start praying, asking God. And when that happens, we're not thinking about fruit. But what is amazing is that when you start doing that, fruit will just start bearing. It will start producing fruit, the type of fruit that Jesus is getting at, the love that you don't have, the gospel power that you don't have. But all because we are connected, we're abiding. You might be wondering, like, this is so above my head. This is so confusing. I can't think of it. What does it look like? I want to share with us... uh, what God has taught me this week. On Monday, um, on my day off, I, uh, my kids were back in school and I just had a hard time just being really impatient with my kids. Particularly one of my sons um, just really didn't put, want to put an effort into school after the weekend. And, and um, I'm ashamed to even tell you about this, but uh, I just started yelling at him the reason I yelled at him was not because, just because he didn't listen. I was just not even thinking about being fruit. All I can think of was, he's getting in the way of what I want to do that day. I was not asking the question, how can I best serve my son? Even in his disobedience, even in his not, not listening, how can I love him? And I just walk away that day just crushed. And I feel bad, but at the same time, I know I just don't have that patience. I don't have that love in me. This morning, as I, as I do every day, I just spend time with the Lord in the morning. I knew that was something that I needed to come before the Lord. I come before the Lord and just ask God, God, like, this is so hard. I don't want to do it, but my flesh is just, I can't even control myself. As I pray and as I talk to God and 
God didn't really say much, and then he went on, uh, went on to, uh, I usually spend some time praying, and I read the Word of God, and that day happened to be, quote-unquote, off day for a regular reading plan. So I pick up a different passage to read, and, and God led me to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 2 says this. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. I don't want to get deep into this passage, but the whole point of this prophecy call to speak tenderly was speak tenderly to Jerusalem who has been disobedient to God. And God had allowed them to be punished. God had allowed them to be, to, to their sins to take uh, consequences. But at the end, God said, the people who have loved me and disobedient me speak tenderly. And there, I just came before the Lord and said, God, I know that's what you called me to do. Regardless of how my son was, this is the fruit of love that you call me to speak tenderly. So I just pray and say, God, I can't. I want to. It makes sense. I would love to do that. But I just can't. I just plead it with the Lord. And so the next morning when school starts again, when my temper starts flaring up again, I can feel my blood start boiling again. I just come before the Lord and just in my quietness of my heart, I say, God, you told me to speak tenderly to my son. I can't do it. I can't do it. I need your help. And so what happened? God just started changing my heart. Like I'm not perfect in any way for the rest of the week. I still struggle. But just my approach, just my, my, my perspective and just how I talk and see my son was so different from Monday. So I thank God for just bearing the fruit of love in my life that I did not wake up on Monday thinking that I need to bear the fruit of love. I wasn't thinking about patience. I wasn't thinking about speaking tenderly to my kids. But you know what happens? When I spend time with the Lord, when things happen, when you are so close with him, when he starts convicting you or things start bringing truth in your life, even things that you know you can't do. And what happens is you start leaning on him, depending on him, and you start bearing these fruit that I, that I know is not from me. See, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Don't worry about bearing the fruit. Worrying about abiding in me. When you abide in me, you will bear fruit. There's one more thing that Jesus said we can abide. And it has to do with remembering his love for us. John chapter 15 verse 9 says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We abide in Jesus by being in his word and prayer. But the second thing is this, we need to lean in, spend time remembering be washed over by his love again. You cannot love people with the love of Jesus if you have not experienced the love of Jesus. You cannot tell the good story of the good gospel without a front row seat of that gospel in your life daily. This is why today, I also believe why Jesus calls us to partake communion. 
so that we will remember not just communion time, but as a marker for us to remember the love that Christ has for us. On the night before uh, the, in the Last Supper, Jesus took the bread and broke it. The bread represented the, the body of Christ, which was broken for us. And then he also held the cup and then he drank it. And he says that this cup represents his blood. And without the shedding of blood, there will be no forgiveness of sin. And one of the things that God called us to do is to abide in his love. So what we're going to do is I'm going to call the worship team. They're going to lead us in a song called How Beautiful. And this time I want to encourage you, those of you who have been baptized, who have put your faith and to commit your life to Jesus, I want you to prepare your elements. I want to encourage you to abide in Jesus' love right now. It's a beautiful song. A beautiful song talking about the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel that came with a great price. And out of the beauty of the gospel, it forms this beautiful bride. The bride of Christ called the church. As I think about the sins that we one struggle with the sins that are heavy upon us. How dirty we must have been, but yet Christ came from heaven to earth to be on the cross, died on the cross, laid his life down for his enemies to create his beautiful bride called the church. So would you take some time to confess your sin, to lean into this love that Christ has for us as our worship team leads us in this song. And afterwards, I'll pray and we'll partake it together. Sing together. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, hope to see you again next week as we worship together. God bless you.